Well, good morning, church. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Man, I love this time of year. I just love as we can come and worship together and sing Christmas carols. And it's all about Jesus. So let me ask you a question this morning. Let me ask you a question. And the question is this. Have you ever missed an opportunity? That's not the question. That's the scripture. But there is a question that says, have you ever missed an opportunity? And I just think I just missed it right there. I think I put the scripture up. But there is a great question. Have you ever missed an opportunity? I mean, think about that in your heart, in your life. Have you ever missed an opportunity? Was there something that you had the opportunity to do and you like, oh, I missed it. It was right there. I had this opportunity. And, and you look back on your life and maybe it was a, a job opportunity or, or maybe it was like, hey, there was this opportunity to go to this concert or this event or there was this opportunity that, that came up and, and you just go, you kind of look back on your life and you're like, I had this opportunity and it was there. Or maybe it was something with the family and you look back and you're like, oh, I should have done that. Or, or maybe it was buying a house or selling a house and you're like, oh man, the market's gone crazy and I had this opportunity and I look back and I'm thinking, why didn't I do this? Well, this morning we're going to look at a guy who missed the biggest opportunity of all. I mean, this is the opportunity that impacted the entire world and this guy missed it. He missed it. Now our scripture for this, and I'm going to put this up here, this is from Matthew it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive. Now, virgins don't conceive, right? I mean, so this is all this has taken place. These 300 prophecies in the Old Testament coming true in Jesus. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mean, how incredible is that? You're thinking, how could anybody miss that? I mean, this is the changing of the world, right? This is Jesus coming and dividing history in 2 B.C. and A.D., the most important event in all of history next to the resurrection. And yet there are people who missed him. And so in our series, we're talking about this kind of Christmas from the different perspective, but we're seeing some people who, all they were, though they were close, they, they didn't engage. And although they were kind of around, they're not in our nativity scene because there were people like King Herod, or the Incredible Hulk, if you were here last week, right? King Herod, who, who was the king over this area. And he's only seven miles. There he is in his palace and seven miles away in Bethlehem. And yet, he doesn't go. And even though the Magi show up and say, hey, where's the one born king of the Jews? And he's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, and he starts to kill the babies because he's threatened. And he missed it. Or maybe it's people like the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And although they knew the prophecies and all those prophecies, right? All that was fulfilled. All, they knew all those. And yet they got caught up in the legalism and they missed the radical grace that was right before them. Or maybe it's people like this guy, this innkeeper that we're going to see today. Next week, we're going to start to focus in on some people who got it. And people who were there, I mean, people like the shepherds and, and Mary and the Magi. And, and our encouragement this year at Christmas is that we would be people who get it <laughs> and that we wouldn't miss it. We wouldn't wake up on December 26th and go, oh, I'm so exhausted. I was doing so much and then go, oh, wait, I was doing a lot, but I, I missed what it was really all about and the opportunity to engage and embrace the Christ of Christmas. And that's why we're here today as we talk about Jesus. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And then we're going to be diving into the 
story here in Luke chapter 2. You know, it's Matthew and Luke that give us the birth narrative of Jesus. And Mark kind of begins with Jesus' earthly ministry. John talks about the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Old Testament comes alive right here in Jesus. But it's Matthew and Luke that really talk about what happened when Jesus was born. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles for you in the back. Or we'll put the Scripture on the screen. Or maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the Scripture there. But look with me here at what happened that night. It says, chapter 2, verse 1, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Okay, so let me set up the context here, right? Probably sounds better if Charlie Brown was reading it. But anyway, I gotta set this up. Those days Caesar Augustus, and Caesar Augustus was over the entire Roman Empire. So Jerusalem, Judea, this whole area of Israel was under the rule of the Romans. Pompey, if you go back and study history, you know, he conquered the area in 63 BC. He came through there and conquered this area. And now there's a king over this area, King Herod. He's the king over Judea, but he submits, right, to Caesar Augustus. So Caesar Augustus issues this decree that a census should be taken. And the reason they took a census was for two things. One, everybody who had been conquered has to go and sign up for this census because you have to serve in the military and you have to pay taxes. Right? So the Romans are conquering all these different lands and they're having all the people sign up to serve in the military as they go conquer more lands and then everybody's paying taxes. Now, the Romans learned from the Greeks these Jews are fanatical about their worship so we're not going to make them go fight in the military because they may rebel against us but we're going to make them pay double taxes. So Caesar says, you go to your hometown and register. Now, if this were to happen today, if the president were to say, all right, everybody's got to go to their hometown to register for the census, we would all be frustrated, right? We'd all be like, oh, are you kidding me? Because many of us, we didn't grow up here. And so we're having to think, okay, how am I going to get to California? How am I going to go to Texas, you know, or Florida or Wisconsin? But we could all figure it out. I mean, we're all like, okay, we could fly, we could drive. Not back then, right? I mean, they're walking. Or they're on the back of a donkey and Caesar Augustus, who doesn't care about pregnant women, he doesn't care about the elderly, he just wants his money. He issues this decree in verse 4. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So from Nazareth to Bethlehem, we're talking about 120 miles. I mean, it's a long way. And he's on his way there. And it says that he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now it's kind of confused, like, he pledged to be married to him, yet she's expecting a child right there in this engagement period. But just as the angel came and told Mary, and the angel spoke to Joseph, listen, you are going to have the Messiah, the Son of God. Now a lot of people get kind of get caught up in the whole virgin birth thing. I mean, to me that's like a level five miracle. I mean, that's not like a level 10. I mean, you know, I mean, birth to me is like a level 10 miracle, man. This is the Lord. I mean, it's God. So here's Mary. She is going to have a baby, the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, fully God, right? They had no union together, fully God and fully man, born of a woman. So you see this, the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, and both are so important not throughout because when Jesus dies for our sins, he pays the price for us. He lived 33 sinless years. He died as a sinless sacrifice for us on the cross. But because fully God, he conquered death. Praise be to God and made a way for us. So we see that right here. Well, 
It says, while they were there, that time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Because there was no room for them in the inn. And I want you to see a few things if you're taking notes this morning. I want you to see this, that, that Joseph, right, was of the royal line. He, he was of the royal line. And, and that means this. That means that Jesus was born of the royal line. That, that was so important, right? I mean, you go back and you look at the genealogies and you knew that, that Jesus would come, but he would be a part of when God put David on the throne, he'd be a part of that royal line. So we see Jesus was born in the line of David and in Bethlehem, just as the prophecy said foretold. So Jesus, born a descendant of David, who was the rightful ruler of the throne, right? And in Bethlehem, the prophecies foretold. Micah 5.2, if you go back and read it, Old Testament, written hundreds of years before. It said, but you, O Bethlehem, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come a ruler of all, whose origins are from of old. So Jesus has always been. So here we go. We see this here in Bethlehem. And then we see this. There was no room for him in the inn. Right? Did you notice that right there at the inn? There was no room. So Joseph is from this area. Joseph has family there. Joseph has relatives there. And yet when he shows up, there's no room. And you're thinking, wow, that's strange. I mean, because see, if you look in the in the text, in can also be translated guest room. And so we wonder, we were like, did he go to like a, you know, uncle's house? Did we go to somebody's cousin's house? And, and did they have a guest room, but they were like, oh no, it's full. Or did they look and go, oh, I'm not sure, you know. And I mean, what happened here? Or was this an inn? You know, was this guy like, hey, I can start an inn right here in Bethlehem. You know, back then they didn't have the Omni or the Westin, you know, they didn't have their Marriott Rewards card to go to. I mean, they had houses, like a little house. And maybe this guy, this innkeeper started to think, hey, Jerusalem's only seven miles away. Maybe this guy's an entrepreneur and he's going, you know what? The, the feast, there's three big feasts a year and everybody comes to Jerusalem and they need places to stay. I can start a little Airbnb kind of deal going on right here, right? I mean, maybe this guy is just like going, this is awesome. I'm going to open up this home. I'm going to have all the rooms. People can pay and they can stay. And he does that three times a year. And then all of a sudden, Caesar Augustus issues his decree. And this guy's like, yeah, I'm killing it, man. I mean, like, my rooms are full. And he's going through and he's turning down the beds, right? He's doing a little toilet paper with a triangle on it. I mean, he's getting ready. He's making money. He is fired up. And then... Knock at the door. He opens the door. He's like, hey, Joseph, what are, what, are, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, the whole census thing. I'm here. And he, yeah, well, we're full, man. And Joseph's like, but this is my fiance. This is Mary. And she's nine months pregnant. She's been on the back of a donkey for 120 miles. She's tired. He's like, ah, oh, sorry, man. But hey, I, I got this cave out back, you know, because the stable was basically a cave back then. And that's where they put the livestock. And you know what? Y'all can go down there and stay. Now think about this. Why didn't the innkeeper, why didn't he say, hey, you guys, come on in. Come on, come on. You can be on the couch. You can be here in the family room. You can be inside. I don't want you to be outside where it's cold. 
Maybe he was too busy. Maybe he's like, hey, Joseph, listen, I don't have time. I got all these people coming here. I don't have time for this. And then you're thinking, well, why didn't he go to somebody? Maybe it's in the guest room or some other room and say, hey, listen, you know what? There's a lady who's pregnant. She's nine months pregnant. And, and you guys got to move out. I mean, there's other places you can go. Or you guys can go to the stable. But she needs to be inside. Maybe he was like, no, 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 no. I got, I got a bank coming in. I mean, I, I'm renting this room out, you know. I got... Why? Why didn't he say, hey, you can sleep in my bed? You ever thought about that? Hey, hey, listen, uh, I'll move out. My wife and I, will go to the couch. Hey, we'll go outside. We'll, listen, you're pregnant. You come in. You stay here. Because if you notice this back in verse 6, it, it says, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she... Mary, right, gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. She did that. She, she was all alone. I don't know if Joseph was like, hey, I don't like the sight of blood. You know what? I'm going to wait outside of the cave. I'm like, I, you know, I can't handle this. Or, but why weren't there other people around there? Why wasn't there people helping her? What was going on? How did so many people miss this? All of the prophecies, everything's pointing here. But before we're too critical of him, <laughs> and seeing that the innkeeper missed the greatest moment in history, the question comes to us. And the question for all of us is this. Is there room in your life for Jesus? Is there room in your life for Jesus? I mean, think about it. Is there room in your schedule? And you're going, but yeah, I mean, this is Christmas, right? I mean, I have 15 days. I got to get everything ready. And I'm like busy. And yeah, but is there room to pray? Is there room to read the Bible? You're like, but you don't understand. I mean, there's like a lot going on, right? I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of things happening. I mean, how about this? Is, is there room in your marriage? What do you mean? No, I mean, is there room in your marriage for Jesus? Because it says in Ephesians that the way you are in your marriage, you ought to love your spouse the way Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. And that your marriage ought to radiate to the world the way Christ loves. And is there room for forgiveness? Is there room for grace? And you're like, but we're busy. I mean, the kids have this and, you know, I got a career and I got... A... How about, is there room in your family? Is there room in your family? You're like, ah, but I don't have time to parent. I mean, I'm taking them places, but I know this whole Advent devotional thing. I mean, it's a great idea, right? But I mean, who's got time? And I know my kids have questions about Christmas and what's real and what's not real. And I mean, but I don't have time to answer those questions. <laughs> Is there room in your finances? Is there room in your finances? I saw the other day the National Retail Federation, they, they do studies all over the United States and the average person spends $932 per person for Christmas. 
That's what the average person spends. Now, in Franklin, we're overachievers. Okay, we're way up there. We're at like $1,292 per person for Christmas, which is fine. I mean, it's great because we love people. We want to give. But at some point, too, we have to go, hmm, is there room in my life for Jesus? I got to tell you, I missed an opportunity, and it was at Christmas. It was when I was a senior in college. And, and I'll never forget this. I had come home. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and I came home for Christmas. And I loved being at home for Christmas. All my friends were in town, and we were going out all the time and hanging out. It was just really fun. I have a great family. It was great. And then it's Christmas Eve, and I realized I haven't done Christmas shopping, right? And I'm a guy, so you know what? I, I like head to the mall on Christmas Eve. It was back before you could do it all on your phone, with Amazon, right? It was like you went to a real mall, right? And so I went to this real mall and I was going to buy a present for my mom and my dad and my sister. And so I'm sitting there at the mall and I'm thinking, okay, get in, get out. You know, that's the whole deal, right? With shopping for guys. And it's like I had this in my head, you know, I'm getting my mom a sweater, getting my sister a candle, you know, getting my dad a, you know, a shirt. I don't know, but I'm just, I got to do it because I love them and I got to show them, I got to get a present. So I'm here at the mall. It's packed. It's crowded. I'm coming down the mall and, and I look up and there in the middle of this area in the mall, North Star Mall, by the way, if you've ever been there, San Antonio, Texas, some big boots outside. But um, you know what? You come in and there's a little stage right there. And so when I come around the corner in the mall with all these people, on that little stage, there was like a kid's choir that had just finished singing. You know, they had the little keys out doing the jingle bells thing, right? And so they were finished singing. Everybody was clapping. They were walking off the stage there in the mall. And I'm coming up to this. And I want to tell you, it was as clear as anything I've ever had. But it was like the Lord spoke to me and God just said, Jeff, go up on that stage and tell people what Christmas is all about. Now, all of you are like panting. You're like, no way, you know, right? <laughs> I mean, I get that, right? I mean, God's not telling you that, but God was telling me that, right? So, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? And I mean, I'm like, oh, no, 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 right? And I'm coming up. I mean, have you ever had the prompting of the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm talking about? And maybe it was to, you know, speak about Christ to somebody or invite somebody to church or to pray with somebody. And then you have this struggle. There's this debate. So God says, just go up there. And I can remember this in my head. God was like, go up. Say, hey, kids, great job. That was wonderful. Hey, let me tell you what Christmas is really all about. It's all about Jesus. And I want to invite you to go to church somewhere. It doesn't matter where you go, but just go and celebrate Christ this Christmas. So, I mean, I'm running this script, right, in my head. And I'm thinking, and I'm coming down by it. And I'm sitting here going, okay. And God's going, go up there. And I'm going, no, right? God's going, yes. And I'm going, no. And it's like, it's slow motion in my head. I'm like, no. You know, and I'm coming by the stage. I'm trying not to look at it. You know, it's like the matrix. You know, you're going, no. And God's going, yes. And I'm going, no. You know, and I finally get around this stage. I mean, it's like calling my name. Like, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, people are there. They're mingling. They're just hanging out. I mean, there's kids. It's, it's like just this perfect thing. And I could have easily gone up and just said, hey, I want you guys to know that Jesus is what Christmas is all about. And in my head, I'm kind of running all the scenarios like, but what if I know people here? You know, I mean, I grew up here, right? What are people going to think? I mean, what if I get arrested? What if I spent Christmas in jail? My parents would be so mad, you know? So, I mean, you know, I'm running all these things in my head and I'm coming to the last moment where I can get up there and, and just share about Jesus. And I finally just go, no. 
And I went on to buy my sweater, my candle, my shirt. I don't even know if my mom or dad ever wore it, but you know what? I did my duty. I got it done, you know? And, and yet, all these years later, right, I'm still thinking, wow, I had an opportunity. And like I said, I'm like, God's not calling all of us, you know, like to put on a big, you know, rainbow wig and hold up John 3:16 on the street corner. But, but I believe this, that God will speak to you and to me. And there's times that God will prompt our heart and God will say, hey, you know what? In the middle of your family or in the middle of the craziness, just say, hey guys, can we just stop and pray? And you got a decision to make. Or maybe it's at work and somebody's going through a really hard time and you go, hey, can I pray for you? You got a decision to make. I mean, you know the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Where there's a new neighbor that's moved in and you want to say, hey, I want to invite you to come to church. And, and you're like this slow motion, right? No. And God's going, yes. And you're like, I don't know. And what are we going to do? And I look at this innkeeper and I think, oh man. This guy probably looks back and he starts to see the prophecies being fulfilled and thinking, wow, I missed the biggest opportunity of all. And maybe it was because he didn't want to stay comfortable. Maybe it was because he was making money. I don't know. But he missed it. And I pray we don't. Here's what John Maxwell, John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward and he says, one of the greatest causes of negative thinking and poor mental health is self-absorption. Selfishness inclines people toward failure because it keeps them in a negative mental rut. And this is the reason that Dr. Carl Menninger responded the way he did when someone asked him, what would you advise a person to do if he felt a nervous breakdown coming on? And most people expect him to say, consult a psychiatrist because that's his profession. But to their astonishment, Menninger replied, lock up your house go across the railway tracks, find someone in need, and do something to help that person. <laughs> do something to help that person. See, here's what Christmas can so easily become, right? We could be sitting here looking at this and going, oh man, I have got a lot going on. It is busy. It is crazy. And these are all good things, but we start pouring into our lives. And we're pouring into our lives schedules and meetings and we're pouring into our lives, you know, Hallmark movies and bowl season and, and they're all good things. I mean, it's not bad. There's nothing bad. We're trying to get presents and we're trying to bake cookies and we're trying to do all of this stuff that's out there and decorations and everything. And, and none of it's bad at all. I mean, it's just like consuming. And so then we come along and we go, okay, I'm doing all this, but wait a minute. <laughs> it's about Jesus, Right? And so then we started trying to put Jesus in there and then we go, oh, wait, wait, wait. I need to do something for others because it's better to give than to receive. And so I need to start thinking about that. And, and, and wait, I need family because you know what? This is the perfect time. I'm going to be with my own family, extended family, and I want to spend really quality time with them. And uh, okay, that barely fits. And hey, wait a minute, I got these dreams. I got dreams for what I really want Christmas to be. And maybe this is, you know, get kind of that, that first Merry Christmas or that first Christmas away from home or the first Christmas with a child or the first Christmas as an empty nester. But anyway, you have opportunities for new traditions, new things. And, and I want to put those, uh, it doesn't really fit. Wait a minute, I kind of left church out. You know, I can't get that in there. So, I mean, I want to 
put Christ first in my finances. So I'm going to take that out. I'm going to take this out. And maybe, uh, Jesus, I just, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I've got a lot going on. But what if there was a way to do it differently? What if this Christmas, instead of prioritizing all the little things that kind of consume us and wear on us, which are all good things, right? What if we came and we just said, you know what, it's, it's going to be about Jesus. When I get to December 26, if I wake up that day, you know what, and I kind of miss some other things, but man, I met Jesus and I fell deeper in love with Jesus. And I spent time with Jesus. And I celebrated Jesus. Man, that's going to be a successful Christmas for me. So I'm just going to put Jesus in there. And, and family, I want some quality time, you know. And there may be time that I'm just going to have to say, hey, look, you know, turn off the iPads and you know, get away from the TV. We, we are going to talk and share. I'm going to get some time to really pour into the people around me. And, and hey, you know, finances, I'm not just going to let it eat me alive. I'm going to really make that a priority. And, and giving, I want to be generous. And I want to think about others. And even if it costs me some time, even if it costs me some comfort, even if it costs me some money, I, I really want to really minister well, love well. And, and, and these dreams... I, I'm going to start something new. This Christmas, I'm going to do something that's going to impact maybe generations that I can start that's spiritual, that's going to impact my kids and, and that impacts theirs and, or my friends and, and then church. And I'm going I'm to make that a priority to spend time with the Lord. And you know what's amazing? When all of a sudden we start to prioritize the big things, then we add in the little things. And those little things come. But what's crazy and what's amazing is this, is that somehow when we put the first things first in our lives and we begin to prioritize those things, it seems like everything else begins to fall into place. And all the little things we can kind of add on top and add as a part of our schedule, or as a part of our time, we can somehow get it all in when we put Jesus first and we don't miss him. And we prioritize the bigger things. Say, I want to live my life for him. Christ, come alive in me. Be born in me. You see, when it comes to missed opportunities, you, you can respond in two ways. You can respond in two ways. The, the first way that you can respond is this. You can respond with regret and guilt. You can respond with regret and guilt. And a lot of people do. A lot of people look at opportunities in the past. They go, oh man, I, I messed up in that relationship. I messed up in that marriage. I messed up in that. And they still live with that regret and they live with that guilt today. Or the second thing you could do when you miss opportunities is this. You can learn from it and go forward. You can learn from it and go forward. You see, Christmas is all about the grace of God. It's the forgiveness of God. Every time, you know, you see a manger, you see a nativity scene, I think there ought to be an arrow like pointed to a cross. Because the reason we celebrate Christmas is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And when Jesus died for us on the cross, he died for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We don't have to live with regret and we don't have to live with guilt. It doesn't have to consume us. We can learn from it and go forward. We can learn from it and be different. 
And I want to tell you that that time when I was a senior in college, I tried to learn from that. You know, and there hasn't been another time that God's prompted me to go up on a stage in a mall, right? But there has been times when the Holy Spirit's prompted me to say, hey, I'm going to pray with you or pray for you or to step into a situation and just to say, hey, I want to prioritize Christ. I want to obey when God prompts my heart. I want to share the love. I don't want to miss Jesus. And what's so awesome to me is to think this, that God called us as a church to start wrapping gifts in the middle of the mall. And tomorrow night I'll be there at the wrapping station with my community group. And we're going to have the chance in the middle of the mall to share Jesus and to pray with people and to give out Bibles and to wrap their gift and to say, hey, we've received a gift at Christmas and it's Jesus. I love how God redeems those things. In our lives, we don't have to live with the guilt of the past. We can say, God, teach me. How are we to learn? How we go forward? How we be different? I wonder if this innkeeper, I've often thought this. I wonder if this innkeeper, he's keeping up, right? Shepherds show up. He's like, that's weird. That's odd. They're at my cave. And then he's going back to the prophecies. He's like, Bethlehem right now, Jerusalem. He's starting to think this. And then he's keeping up with Joseph. And he's like, wow, what's happening? And he's seeing over the years. And he's hearing about Jesus doing miracles. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes to Jerusalem And maybe he goes and he hears him teach. Maybe he's there when Jesus is crucified. And maybe he hears he's alive. He's alive. He conquered death. He made a way. And maybe there's a time that the innkeeper gets on his knees and says, I missed it in the past, but Jesus, I receive you today. You be the Lord of my life. Maybe he opened his inn and it became a part of the early church. Maybe there was a community group that met there. I don't know, but I know this. Redemption comes and Jesus is here. Jesus, after he ascends into heaven, he writes to the church in Laodicea. If you turn over in Revelation, in Revelation there's seven different churches and Jesus says, hey, here's what I want to say to you, church in Laodicea. And Laodicea was a wealthy place. I mean, the economy was booming there. You know, the stock market at an all-time high. Things were going great. But Jesus says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. And you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, right? Just, just pick it. Go with the world or, or go with me, but make a decision. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And you say, but I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing because my faith and my trust is in money. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked spiritually. As Jesus said, what is a profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, the righteousness of Christ that would cover us and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see, that you can see Christmas, have the right perspective of Christmas. And then he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And then look at verse 20, written to believers. Here I am, exclamation point. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. 
Here I am, Jesus said. And here's the thing today, guys. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Every one of us. Jesus is here. And there's not a door handle on the outside of that door. It's on the inside. He doesn't force his way in. He's inviting us into a relationship with him. Listen, I don't know where you are today, but I want to ask you, would you fully commit your life to Christ? I mean, would you fully, what better time than Christmas? What better time than to say, Jesus, I'm yours, wholly and completely. I want to know you. I want to fall in love with you. I want to grow deeper in your word and your truth. I want there to be room in my life, in my schedule, in my marriage, in my family. I want there to be room for you, Jesus, because I'm yours. And you know what results? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. All this comes when Christ is born in us. So where are you today? Where are you today? Maybe the busyness of life has already kind of got you like, whoa, wow, it's kind of crazy, out of control. And maybe today it's just coming and saying, all right, I'm here for you. Jesus, I want you to be my priority. I want you to be the love of my life. I want you to be the joy of my heart. I'm yours. Don't let me miss you this Christmas. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to invite some of our A6 men. These are spiritual leaders in our church. And, and some of their wives are going to move to the sides. And our worship team is going to come. We're just going to have a time to respond. And, and maybe a time of response for you is just to worship. Like, hey, I want to put my eyes on Jesus. I want to, I want to just say, hey, I don't want to miss you. Or maybe worship for you is to go and say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you pray over my life? Would you pray over my marriage? Would you pray for my children? There is power in prayer. Don't miss that for other people to pray with you, to pray for you. But this is our time to respond. This is our time to say, Jesus, we want to make room for you this Christmas. So let me pray for us right now. Father, thank you for your presence. Oh God, you are here. Father, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to all of us. And Father, I pray this morning we could listen. As you knock on the door of our heart. And to understand the beauty of Christmas. That you want to come in and dine with us. Live with us. I pray this morning, God, we would be fully committed to you. Everything in us. So search us, oh God. Search our hearts, our soul, our spirit. And draw us close to you. Don't let us miss you this Christmas. Father, I pray today would be a day of salvation for some. I pray it would be a day, Father, when you come alive. And we would understand that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father but through you. I pray today that it would be a day that you put salve on our eyes and give us a different perspective. I pray it's a day that we anchor our souls and our spirits in the depth of your love and your radical grace. So speak to us today. We love you. And we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Let's stand together. Let's worship and let's pray. Let's respond right now.